Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this week's episode of Mo Liberty. I am your host, Caleb Franz. This is the voice of liberty for a new generation. I'm thrilled to have you here this week. Uh, this week, we have a lot to get into. Uh, I want to touch on something that libertarians, I think, sometimes have a bad time at communicating and have a bad time at really getting people to understand where they're trying to come from. Uh, and that is on the issue of terror and on national security. Uh, obviously, we had just recently, we had the uh, London terrorist attacks. Uh, there have been terrorist attacks that have been occurring all throughout Europe specifically and uh, as well as here in the United States. Um, and that's something that libertarians really need to understand how to address. And I think that sometimes we do a, a, a pretty poor job at it. Uh, first of all, if you haven't yet, I highly recommend and you go back and listen to my interview with Cliff Maloney last week. Um, we had a great discussion on uh, the future of, of the youth and, and how, um, how young people can, can get involved and uh, spread the message of liberty and create real, true, lasting change. Um, and I highly suggest that, uh, that you, you go back and listen to that week's episode and uh, share it with the people you know next week also. Uh, we have, because we're right in the middle of our summer interview series now, now we have started it last week with Cliff, next week we're going to have Jason Stapleton on, and that's somebody who I'm very excited about uh, about talking with. Uh, there's a lot that I want to discuss with him and a lot I want to ask of him, um, so be sure to tune in next week for that. But this week, this week, uh, this is... As I said, this is going to be something I think libertarians aren't very good at communicating. It's not that they have the wrong message or even the wrong ideas, but it's just that oftentimes they they aren't really quite sure on how to properly communicate it so that it doesn't sound like you just want to invite uh, terrorists into the country or or even be apologists. For terrorists, because sometimes that's what we—that's what uh, some people in the movement sound like. It's not something I like. It's not something that I uh, approve of, and it's not something that we should be. But that's just a simple fact of the matter, um, and that's something that we need to distinguish and make sure that we're not doing that. Because oftentimes the left will do that, and that's that's not that's not something that we should strive to become. If if we're you know, oftentimes, like what Gary Johnson was saying during the campaign trail last year, uh, you know, he's part uh, liberal, part uh, conservative, part Democrat, and part Republican. Well, this is this is kind of where <laughs> that starts getting into some issues because we're not liberal in the modern sense. We are liberal in the classical sense, but not in the modern sense. We're not conservative. We're libertarians. We we have a very distinct very specific worldview and that worldview is liberty for all we should not be apologists for terrorists even if we do understand how they often um, are created that doesn't excuse some of the things that they do it it, it just better understands and it should sh better shape our policy and our attitude toward uh, combating terrorism but we should never uh, be apologists for this 
And that's something that uh, oftentimes I think many of us fall in the trap of. That's not excusable. Nothing makes terrorism excusable. Nothing. No, no matter what we do, no matter uh, what uh, the, the West as a whole does, murder is murder. It, it doesn't matter if it's justified. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's uh, something that can be excused away. It's inexcusable. It's murder. If we, if we don't like the lives of the innocents being taken uh, in the Middle East, then we certainly shouldn't like the lives of the innocents to be taken in the West. If we truly believe that, that the right to life is inherent in all humanity, then we shouldn't be justifying and we shouldn't be saying, well, you're paying attention to Europe, but you're not paying attention to the Middle East. No, no, pay attention to both. Pay attention to both sides. If, if, you're, if you're the kind of guy who responds to a terrorist attack um, in London or New York or uh, wherever it is, San Bernardino or, or Orlando or wherever, um, I'm, I'm re- the day I'm recording this is on the anniversary of the attacks on Orlando. And that's not something that was, that was justifiable or, or ex- excusable. We have to make that distinction. Terrorism is a problem. Radical Islam is a problem. There are such a thing as jihadists in the world that honestly, truly want to kill us. Now, what we have to understand is that most of the recruiting tools that Radical Islam uses, the mo- most of the terrorists that, that are recruited into, into their ideology and their movement most of them are not radicals. They are people who have lost something. They are people who, uh, who, who maybe their sons or daughters have been killed by a bomb, uh, a an airstrike from the West, from the United States or from the UK or from Russia or from somewhere that likes to bomb countries a lot, like we often do. That's what we have to start to understand in in our approach to our policy for national security is that oftentimes our approach often makes us much less safe than what it's intended to. And that's really the point that I'm trying to drive home today for this episode. If you are familiar with Friedrich Bastiat, and this is going to go slightly off track here for a second, but I, I'm, I'm going to bring it full circle. If you're familiar with Friedrich Bastiat, uh, there, he, he is, he's known for writing about the things that are seen and that which is unseen. Now, that is applied to, uh, to, uh, to economics. That's applied to uh, just government in general, government involvement. This can also, however, uh, be applied to foreign policy and national security. When government is involved, you often see um, a certain number of terrorists dead when they bomb a country or whenever they bomb uh, a certain area that, that is known to have to have ISIS or Al-Qaeda in it, what, whatever it may be. That's what's seen. What is unseen is the amount of terrorists that that thus creates because, yes, you may have killed that terrorist, but you also killed... Um, a certain number of civilians in the process. And those civilians 
had family. Those civilians, that was somebody's mother, that was somebody's daughter, that was somebody's father or son, that was somebody's brother or sister. And while they may not had have completely been in support of, uh, of, of bombing countries, bombing other countries and acts of terror in the past, that may have just been the nudge to push them over. That may have just been the nudge to push them into radical, uh, radicalization. This is what Ron Paul always talks about as blowback. When we bomb countries indiscriminately, that tends to have unforeseen consequences. And that's something that we don't like to accept as Americans, but it's something that we must accept if we are to be serious about combating terrorism. If you want to stop refugees from coming into the country, stop creating refugees. If you want to stop uh, 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 terrorists from, from hiding themselves within the masses of migrants flooding borders to escape the bloodshed, then stop the bloodshed in the Middle East. Stop bombing countries that do not need to be bombed. When you are creating crises, it has an effect. When you blow up other countries, when you, when you blow up places like Iraq and places like Syria, and you think that nothing else will come of it, when you think that that's going to have no consequence, you're wrong. This was the grave mistake of Iraq in 2003. This was the grave mistake um, of Afghanistan after we have after we lost the true sight of our mission uh, to to hunt and to defeat Al Qaeda in Afghanistan after 2001. Now, granted, I supported the war in Afghanistan, and I continue to support its initial uh, vote into Afghanistan. That's common sense. It's no brainer. However, what it has become has been nothing short of nation building. And it now is creating more and more problems than what it actually solves. If your mission is anything short of victory, if it's outside of the Constitution, if you're going after people and, and, and ideas and, and groups that weren't even around whenever the, the war that you started actually began, then it's time to pack up and leave. Because this is at the cost of American lives. This is at the cost of Iraqi or Afghani lives. This is at the cost of Syrian lives, of Somali lives, of, of uh, lives in Yemen. These are all places where we are bombing right now. And we have to step back and look at how effective it actually is. Make no mistake, there is no coincidence that uh, around the same time that we really amplified our, uh, our bombs and our, our wars in the Middle East in the past few years, it was around the same time that, that the amplification of migrants began occurring. They're connected, yes. They are connected. We have to understand that our actions have consequences. And while nothing justifies, nothing justifies a terrorist attack, quite the opposite. This is, 
This is uh, not to say that they're justified. This is to say that I want to stop the bloodshed on all fronts. And in order to be able to do that, we have to make some bold decision making. Now, how do we respond in the meantime? How do we respond to terror, acts of terror as they are happening and as they are occurring? Do we shut down the internet? That's what, uh, that's what uh, Theresa May said in the UK. That's what Donald Trump said on the campaign trail. Should we increase surveillance? That's what many called for after the attacks in Paris just a few years ago. It wasn't too long ago that uh, that Paris had one of their worst terrorist attacks in, in their history. Back in 2015, I believe it was. In November of 2015. Should we increase the power and the ability of government to do such things? That's what a lot of conservatives, as a matter of fact, would like to believe. Should we should we close down our borders? Should we should we grab our our uh, teddy bear and hope for the government to take care of us? That's what a lot of conservatives believe. That's not what I believe, though. I think it's so ironic because oftentimes conservatives will be the ones who claim to be the the macho men, the real men, the ones that 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 want to get stuff done, and the alpha male personality types. However, those are the ones that are typically the first to to cower in fear of terror and will say, "Government, take care of me and make sure this never ever happens to me." Isn't that ironic? Now, the left is obviously no better at this. They do the same thing, except uh, they do it with, with, uh, with guns. And that's no excuse to them. They both have the wrong response to terror. I say that, uh, that we should not be shaking in our boots. We should not be holding our blankets. We should not be asking the government for our protection. We should be looking at them straight in their face and say, our liberty, we should be looking at the terrorists straight in the face, say our liberty not only protects us, it empowers us, and it strengthens us. And the only way that they can win is if we allow ourselves to become overcome with fear. That's what's concerning to me is that we are starting to get to that point in this country again. We were there, certainly, after 9-11. And we are starting to get there now that uh, acts of terror have been ramping up. It's not to the scale of 9-11, but it's little pinpricks. It's death of a thousand paper cuts. A little shooting here and a little, uh, a little truck attack or car attack there. A little stabbing over here. It's not the mass shock and awe that 9-11 was, certainly. But it's still terrorism. And these are, t these are instances that could happen anywhere. Obviously, there's only one World Trade Center. There's only a certain number of, of famous landmarks that somebody could strike. But these instances that they're starting to to uh to go after now they could happen anywhere any old town in america our response should not be fear it should be empowerment 
It should be strength. We should laugh at these guys in the face of 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 their uh, of their attempts at changing our way of life. Matt Kibbe, who we had on here a few weeks ago, he had this great video uh, on Free the People uh, about this guy that just walked calmly out of everybody's running around them uh, in London during the uh, the most recent attacks there in London. Uh, and this guy, who the social who social media dubbed him Pint Man, because he was he was carrying a pint of beer, and he was just calmly walking around. He had no fear. He pointed that out and said, "This is the reaction that we need to have in response to terrorism. This is the proper reaction that we must look at them straight in their face and say, I am not afraid of you." I am not willing to give up my liberty for the sake of a false sense of temporary security. That is the danger that we are about to encompass ourselves in. Is that we think that if we just give everything up and let the government take care of it, then we shall be safe. And there is nothing further from the truth than that. There's nothing further from the truth than thinking that if the government can take care of us, if the government can protect us, then we will truly be safe. That is false. If you want to be safe, this is what the Second Amendment is about, after all, isn't it? And this is something that conservatives pride themselves on, is is the Second Amendment uh, amendment and the ability to uh, protect yourself and protect your family. But yet, if it's anything other than just a petty crime, conservatives tend to be the first uh, group of individuals to run to government to say, hold me, protect me, I'm scared. It's your job to do this. No, not really. While, yes, it is the government's job to protect us, it does have a certain limit to their protections. It does have a certain limit to the extent at which they are supposed to protect us. Should they protect us from terrorism? Absolutely. Should they try to prevent terrorist attacks from happening? Absolutely. I think a good first step is stop bombing them and stop creating as many terrorists uh, so that way you don't have to watch out for as many. That's pretty logical, I would say. But outside of that... You can't do everything, and you shouldn't expect the government to do everything. You shouldn't expect them to protect every single aspect of your life, to find absolute security, because there is no such thing. Get that through your head. There is no such thing as absolute security. There is none now at with, with your liberty, and there will not be when you give it away. The government can only pretend, they can only make you think that you are protected. And it may be a temporary uh, ease of the state of mind, but that's it. That is quite literally it. There is nothing that government can do outside of a few, uh, a few things that, is, that it has the constitutional ability to do. There's nothing that government can do ultimately to provide absolute security absolute security is a myth if you want that you have to take security into your own hands now you can you can do that 
multitude of ways. You can do that by hiding in your home and never coming out, but that's not realistic, is it? You can do that by empowering yourself with what liberty gives you. The kind of empowerment that only liberty can provide. The kind of empowerment that we pride ourselves with uh, things like the Second Amendment. That's what the Second Amendment is supposed to be for. Now, it may not stop a bomb. And like I said, you're not going to provide absolute security. It may not stop a bomb, but the Somali that um, that went on a on a stabbing spree at the Ohio State University this past fall, I think in November. Certainly it can stop that, and it did when a police officer shot him dead. That's what the Second Amendment is for. I promise you, while it will not stop all instances, it certainly, absolutely, will protect you from a lot more than what uh, what government protects you from right now. There is no safer place than around a group of people who understand that their own lives are in those uh, are in their hands and will do absolutely everything to defend it. Especially if you have uh, family to protect or kids to protect, there is no safer place on the face of the earth than those who understand that they have the responsibility to ensure their own security. That's the kind of mindset that we must have in America. That's not a fearful mindset. That's an empowered mindset. That's not a mindset that says we need the government to protect us. That's a mindset that says I really don't care if you are threatening us. I really don't care if you want to kill us. You try something, it's not going to work out for you. You might be able to kill me, you might be able to harm me, but I promise you that as long as I am alive and well, I will do everything in my power to prevent you. I will do everything in my power to ensure that you do not win, and I will never ever cower to you. That is what freedom is about. If you allow terrorists to actually terrorize you, then guess what? Guess who wins? They do. After 9-11, Osama bin Laden won. Yeah, he did. It doesn't matter that he's dead right now. At least for the time being, he won. Because right now, if you go into an airport, all liberties are given up. Right now, if you look around in our surveillance state... While technology has certainly grown, so is the government, so is the power of, of surveillance. That's thanks to somebody like Osama bin Laden. That's what he has done. That's the lasting impact that he has made on America. And while we say we are safer, how much safer are we really? Because we know that the, that the, uh, the, the TSA doesn't really do that much of an effective job whenever they miss most of the things... Uh, whenever they uh, have their inspections that go through and people try to smuggle things onto airplanes, most of the time they fail. We know that. This has been reported. This has been recorded. This is, this is not new news. Giving up your liberty for a false and temporary sense of security. That is what we have done. 
and that is exactly what they want. That is exactly what terrorists like Osama bin Laden want. Those who actually believe in in uh, in in what it is that they're fighting for. Those who actually believe and actually want to see the destruction of the West. That actually hate um, hate the idea of liberty and democracy and and a democratic republic. That's what they want to see us do. They want to have us tear ourselves apart from the inside. Now, I make the distinction there because I do not believe that most terrorists or most radicals, I do not believe that they, uh, that they want to see that. I think that most of them are just angry relatives or angry individuals who, uh, who had a child die or who had um, a, a sibling or a parent killed and a U.S.-sponsored drone strike. That ultimately creates more terrorists. It's an excellent recruiting tool for the other side. Just as much as 9-11 was for, uh, for those who lined up the very next day to say, I'm going to go in and I'm going to get those bastards. If you can understand how angry most people felt the day of 9-11 and the day after 9-11. If you can understand that because people were killed, relatives were killed, people were lost on that day. If you can understand that, then you ought to be able to understand just a little bit about what they probably feel every single day. The solution here will not come from more bombs. It will not come from more violence. It will only come when we sober up reform policy and realize that liberty is the only answer and it is non-negotiable. You cannot give it up just to expect a little bit of security because what happens is you end up losing both. A terrorist will always find a way it doesn't matter if you have liberty or if you do not have liberty. What's scarier, though? Because ultimately, terrorists, uh, you're not very likely to die in a terrorist attack. Sorry, you're not. It doesn't matter how afraid you are or how scared you are, you're not very likely to die in a terrorist attack. You're more likely to drown in a bathtub or have a fridge fall on top of you than to die in a terrorist attack. It's not very likely. What is likely, though, is for government to abuse its power in the name of your safety. That, if anything, that is what you should fear. And if you do fear terrorism, you should fear the effects of our actions in the Middle East. We have to start looking at things through a different lens if we are to be serious about fixing the problem at hand. We have to start looking at things through a lens of a sober foreign policy. We have to start looking at things through the lens of liberty being off the table of negotiation. It's non-negotiable. These are the certain principles that cannot be given up even in the name of terrorism versus safety and security. If you want absolute security, North Korea provides it. 
if you want absolute security, Russia provides it, China provides it, Cuba uh, provides it, places that have no liberty provide it. But what are they scared of? Because they fear for their lives every day. They have absolute secu uh, security. You never hear of a terrorist attack in North Korea. <laughs> but they still feel, excuse me, the citizens of these nations still fear, fear for their lives every single day. Why? Because government is much more likely to abuse their power in those places and alter or ruin or destroy their lives than in places where people are free. Sure, you're more likely to be hit by a terrorist attack. Liberty can be scary sometimes. Liberty can be uh, uncertain sometimes. But that's the beauty of it, because it's in your hands. It's in all of our hands. When you pass the buck to government, then you're saying, I don't want to deal with this. I don't, I don't really want to try to protect myself, so I'll just let you do this for me. When you give them that power, they have every single ability to take away your security, to take away your safety. Now, sure, you might be safe from a terrorist, but you're certainly not safe from the government. You're certainly not safe from the agencies that, that proclaim it's working in your best interest. That's not what true security is about. It is completely antithetical to liberty. Fear is very natural. A healthy fear keeps us alive. It makes us watchful and not complacent. But whenever fear blinds our ability to use logic and reason, that is when it becomes harmful. That is when it's dangerous. Because then... We see security as the end-all be-all, the only issue that matters. That's when you should be fearful of others, of the people around you, of the people promising you absolute security. That's, that's the only time I advise you to be fearful. This is a reasonable fear. This is a, a, a healthy fear, a fear that will keep you alive, that will secure your liberty because you're always watchful. A terrorist can't take away that from you, but a government can. That is what we have to be communicating from now on. That's what we have to be communicating from here on out. That terrorism happens? Yes, it does. Should we be trying to limit it and be trying to stop it? Yes, absolutely. We should not be saying that, you know, oh, terrorism is just a way of life. I don't think that. I don't believe that. But I also do not believe that you have to give everything up in order to stop it. In that it even terrorism has some limits. And, or I, I should say, even stopping terrorism has some limits. And once you cross those limits, once you cross the liberty boundary of non-negotiable items, then you've gone too far. Then you've crossed the healthy fear, and you've gone into the realm of the unreasonable and the illogical. And that is something to truly be afraid of. That's what we have to start communicating. That is what we have to start showing people. That A, our actions have consequences. And B, our uh, security ultimately is in our own hands.
We have to start thinking that way. We have to start looking at things that way because if we don't, then we'll end up losing everything. We'll end up losing our liberty at the sake of a false sense of security. And that's not the kind of world I want to live in. Maybe you do. I don't know. But I would prefer if you didn't force others to, to live in that world with you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is our episode for the week. Um, next week, like I said, we will be having Jason Stapleton come on the program. If you don't know who that is, he is an awesome uh, libertarian podcaster. He has his own show, the Jason Stapleton Program, but we'll get into more of that next week as we introduce him. Um, I suggest you please come back here, same time, same place, next Thursday. Uh, we'll be right here. Until then, please follow us on uh, on Twitter, at MyLiberty. You can follow me, at Caleb Franz, on Twitter. Uh, and subscribe to us on iTunes so that you will never miss an episode or an update. And until next week, we'll see you.